Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Hello, Max. How you doing? I'm good. You okay? I'm very well. And welcome all to a chapter of my life with co-author of Football's Black Pioneers, Mr. Bill Hearn. Hiya. What a fantastic book. We're going to talk about it because that's what the purpose of this podcast is. I've got to say, I did listen to the podcast that you've done with uh, with Gary, with, um, with Stephen and with oh, Stuart, yeah. these football times. They are pioneers of podcasters. I've got to say, they are encyclopedic. Um, I'm not. This is like a a chat with two pals sitting in a pub talking about the beautiful game. But before we get into the podcast, just give me a a brief account of titles that you've done before and how you got involved in this venture. Well, this is the first thing we've uh, we've had published. Um, I've got a co-author, David Cleave. And um, we are heavily involved in black history and yep. we've done a lot of work on black history, but never actually produced a, you know, a, a finished book. So this is our first published uh, sports book. David's had short stories published before, but um, I haven't. So, yeah, it was um, very much a new venture to us. And uh, we were very lucky we got a publisher almost immediately, which I'm told is really unusual. But, uh, you know, we, we were lucky in that respect. And, uh, you know, they, they held our hands a bit and uh, it took us four years of research. Uh, you know, it was a lot to look at. And, of course, the more we looked into things, the more we unturned, you know. Yeah. Uh, a lot, there's a lot of misinformation out there, yeah. um, you know, and, and there's a lot of mysteries as well. You know, most clubs had no idea who their first black player was. Most fans had no idea. Yeah. So hopefully we've uh, sort of rescued those names for forever. Football's Black Pioneers or Trailblazers, where did the title come from? Well, well, we, we just dreamt it up, really. I, yeah. mean, uh, I mean, first of all, you know, the, the definition of black. Yeah. Um, you know, pe- people would sort of say, well, are Egyptians classed as black or yeah. Asians? Um, we eventually settled for African, Caribbean, African, American uh, which means that the first Indian players, for example, aren't included, yeah. which wouldn't have made a lot of difference because there were only two clubs where an Indian heritage player would have been the first non-white player. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was quite difficult and sensitive, really, you know, determining whether somebody might be classed as black or or, or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, we uh, we just jumped the title up. We thought pioneers was a good title because there were. They were pioneers, you know, I mean, they, they were very isolated people. Yeah. Uh, n- now, when you look at most of our clubs, you know, there'd be five or six black players at least. Yeah. Um, but can you imagine being the only black person in a crowd of 40,000, 21 other white players, the referee's white, the linesman's white, they're allowed to call you darky, 
they're allowed to say virtually what they want. You know, they, they really were pioneers. Um, and, and they set, you know, they, they paved the way for all those players that followed. Absolutely. And in certain parts of Eastern Europe, they're still called that today. Absolutely, Sadly, yeah. it, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah. It looks at the first player of every football club in this country. Did you set out to do that? Or when you look at football's black pioneers, did you want to cast that net a little bit further? For instance, South American uh, players, Pele being the godfather of football. Uh, Some Brazilians would argue, no, 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 no. Garincha was the first godfather of football. And uh, we, again, Mozambique, we we had uh, Eusebio, who uh, was an yeah. absolute football yeah. legend. So it's not just in this country where we've had the first black player. We've had black players yeah. all over the world and we've yeah. we've fallen in love with the player, no matter what colour he was yeah. or is. It's the football yeah. that we notice and remember them for, not the colour of the skin. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And all the fans love the players as you say, whichever colour they are. Mm. I mean, the only really famous exception was Paul Canneville at Chelsea, yeah. where, where his fans booed him. You know, his fans actually deducted goals that he scored mm-hmm. and, and said they, they didn't count, you know, but they were the exception because yeah. many of the players I interviewed said Millwall was the worst place they ever went to. Mm. It was almost embarrassing. You know, everybody was criticising Millwall. And yet Millwall fans never booed their own black players. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, they, they love them, absolutely love them. So some, some strange behaviour. A lot, a lot of players said, we really don't understand why they boo us, and yet they've got black players in their team. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't make it's no logic, is there? But again, it happens in Italy to this day. The black players do get booed still, but the players that play for, you know, like Lukaku, for instance, he couldn't get his head around how how he was booed by by others and 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 not booed by his own. Yet his own were booing other black players. Yet loved him. It's like I don't yeah. get this. I mean, is it systematic racism? Is it? the fact that they don't like black players because quite clearly, although they hate some, they love theirs. It's quite ridiculous, yeah. really, isn't it, when you look at it? And, and many of the players, you know, said, yeah. Rear Daniel Hull's first black player, he said he just never, ever understood why when he was playing for a club, they loved him. Yeah. And yet if he was playing against them, they'd boo him because yeah. of the colour of his skin. Yeah. Um it's 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 insane. It really is insane. But uh... but our Mavericks had the same thing. They would go to football grounds, whether it be Stan Bowles, Frank Worthington, Rod Marsh, Alan Hudson, Terry Curran, whoever. They get booed because they were different. So a yeah. generalisation of football fans is that if you're playing against you, us, we will hate you. <laughs> If yeah. you're with us, we will love you. And and we do pick on things that are different to us. And visually, the black player is a standout for idiots. Yeah. And, and certainly in the 70s, when I grew up uh, loving football and first going to football games, there was horrendous racism there. And a team that's close to, to me geographically, West Bromwich Albion, had famously the three degrees that Big Ron brought in there, Brendan, Cyril and Laurie. And I was yeah. watching a video uh, 
the other day when they beat Manchester United 5-3 at mm, Old Trafford yeah. in 78. And on commentary, it said, the Manchester United fans are booing the black players. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in fairness, the commentator kind of criticised the fans, didn't he? Yeah, he did, said, yeah. You know, that, yeah. Yeah, you know. Because, um, I mean, going back to Walter Tones Day back in 1909, I think it was, um, the, when he played at Bristol City for Tottenham, mm-hmm. the, the, the abuse was horrendous. Yeah. And the, the press commented on it. And it was the first time that the press had raised the race issue. They said, look, this is, this is the language of Billingsgate. This can't mm-hmm. go on. Uh, but that was the sort of first official record of, of the press jumping to the defence of a black player. Previous to that... They routinely call black players darky and, you know, all sorts. I mean, worse than that sometimes, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, so I, th- I think the difference is that hopefully players now will get support if, um, you know, if, if, the, if there is racism in the, in the crowd, whether the stewards will act, the crowd will act. Um, but when I, um, I interviewed Viv Anderson and I said, you know, what would have happened if you'd walked off? Yeah. If, if, you know, when, when you got the abuse, he said, Bill, if I'd walked off, I would have been looking for another job yeah. on the Monday. You wouldn't have got any support whatsoever. The manager's attitude is very much, look, you're black, it's a fact of life, get on with it. Well, at least now, you know, we know that um, there should be very, very strong support and a sort of a zero tolerance policy towards any any racism in the ground. Absolutely. Your co-author, uh, David, is a Crystal Palace supporter. You are a Sunderland supporter, so you come from one the north and and one the south, and uh, where David Glaze comes, does he he come from uh, the Crystal Palace area, or is he a Crystal Palace fan? I was going to say, because he's born and bred. You you wouldn't support Crystal Palace had you not been born (laughs) somewhere around Croydon, would you let's be truthful? (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. Would. He was actually at Paul Canneville's debut. Yeah, I remember listening to it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Sullen fans and Palace fans. And I've got a lot of joy in our lives other than all this research and writing, which we love doing. But Sunderland haven't had many black players uh, to no. this day, have they? Whereas Crystal Palace is a bit, you know, Sunderland is a, a northern town up there mm. in Tynham Weir. Yeah. Crystal Palace is from a the metropolitan like boroughs of of London. That their that the demographics around Croydon and South London there it it, it is a very very much a a multicultural yeah. society similar to what my city is Birmingham, but Sunderland yeah. and the North East isn't like that. Did you find much of a a North South divide when you were researching these football yes. clubs? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, they were a lot slower to take on black players in the north. Yeah. In fact, if you look at the, the 92 clubs of perhaps the last 10 or so, I think six or seven were in Lancashire. Yeah. I think Blackburn were the last. Um, Burnley were lagging behind. Um, I interviewed a player called Lloyd Maitland, who was Huddersfield's first black player. And at that time, he was the only black player playing regular first-team football from... Like if you drew a line from Manchester, yeah. basically up to the the Shetland Islands, it's incredible. Um, you know that that was the late seventies, which was the same time that journalists were saying, well, you know, Germany have got a black international, but can't imagine that ever happening in England because black players haven't got the temperament, they're not tough enough, they couldn't take the barricade and so on, and um, we just fielded our hundredth 
black international oddly enough uh, yeah. last year so they got that wrong the first one being viv and the Madison, the, yeah. the, the latest one the hundredth one being uh reese james that's right yeah. big ron told me we were talking about football because i've done a few podcasts with with ron as well and the the concept of south american footballers and brazilians in particular being lazy absolute rubbish Ron mm. says to me the hardest working players I've ever seen and worked with in my life are Brazilians so yeah. you get all these anomalies don't you they're just basic untruths that that people roll out and and some people if you throw it out enough the the mud sticks who was the first black player to play in the football league that was uh, Arthur Wharton back in 18 probably 1894 yeah because he played for Rotherham Town, who were not connected to the current Rotherham United. But he, 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 was, he played for Sheffield United as well. He was their first black player in 1895. Uh, he was a goalkeeper. Um, quite a well-to... You know, he came from a well-to-do family in Ghana. Um, you know, so th- th- sometimes there's a perception that, you know, these players came from poverty and yeah. worked their way up. But um, some of them came from very, uh, very privileged backgrounds, really. Um so, yeah, Arthur Wharton was the, the very first, yeah. And you look at some players, it's, you, you know, it's like it's, it's alluded to earlier in the podcast, define black. You know, Villa have got a player, Douglas Louise, he's, he's Brazilian. I mean, he, is, is he black? Is he white? Yeah. It's it's very difficult. And and, and like with Douglas, he, he put in um, on, on his social medias that, you know, he come from the Flavellas. So mm-hmm. these players have come from all backgrounds yeah yeah but certainly the third um john walker was the uh, the second black player to play in the english league he was the complete opposite he'd been brought up in leith yeah where disease was dreadful um you know he, he lived in horrible horrible conditions um he, he joined lincoln in sort of i think it's about 1899 and within a year he was dead of tuberculosis mm. you know so he, he came from terrible conditions so they're just like everybody else, really, you know. Some, yeah. some of oh, us come from wealthy backgrounds, some yeah. of us come from poor backgrounds, but we all love football. Absolutely, and they come through the system at various times and in various ways. Now, didn't yeah. Dixie Dean, the great Dixie Dean, didn't he get embroiled in a little bit of a racism row when he chinned somebody because they called him black? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hated getting into these situations where you were kind of judge and jury, you know. I mean, if, if a person chooses to be classed as white, black, whatever, that's entirely up to them. Mm-hmm. We had two clubs where we got the same name time and time again as the first black player. When I approached one of them, he said, I'm not black. And that's fine by me. I'm not going to, you know. Um, and and uh, I mean, a lot, a lot of people say Paul Rainey was black. Yeah, I mean, Paul exactly, Rainey's still yeah. alive. Um, yeah, you know, and, and had, had Paul declared himself as black, whether he is or not, yeah. you know, that's his decision. He would have been the first black player to play for England. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the record books would have been rewritten. So, I, I, I mean, I, Bill Purry's another one at Blackpool. We, we did a lot of research on Bill Purry's background. He was actually from South Africa, but my conclusion was that Bill Purry was white. But, yeah. you know, a lot of people like Dixie Dean say Bill Purry was not white, um, but he decided to be white, and that's good enough for, for me. It, it, it almost is like in modern days with the millennials, 
uh, when, when they're like, you know, I'm not male, I'm not female, I'm something other than that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a, how, how do you want to be identified? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite ridiculous because as normal people identify humans is that we're all the same and we're all of that same race. If you were yeah. born in Africa, you are going to be darker than if you were born in Scandinavia, for instance, all the Vikings were white, I'm guessing, because yeah. it's usually the sun that dictates the pigmentation of your skin, I yeah. would have thought. You did reference the uh, German player of the 70s. Is that the one that played in the 74 World Cup finals at Hansi Muller? No, um, he, uh, he, only, he only won three cups, and okay. the reason... Uh, just trying to, I've got his name somewhere, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's Erwin um, Costadi, I think how you pronounce it. Okay. Um, and in his second cup was against England, so obviously a black player coming to play against England made the news. Mm-hmm. And this is where we started making comparisons. And Bernard Joy, a very, very respected uh, journalist, concluded that, well, I can't imagine it ever happening in England because yeah. of the. The, these assets or deficiencies that black players have. Um, I mean, Laurie Cunningham was rejected by Arsenal because he wasn't, in their eyes, tough enough. That sounds a bit like stereotype because Laurie Cunningham was a very tough player. Yeah. You know, he had to be to take the, the stick that he, he did. I mean, people kicking, kicking him to bits. And Ron Nords, you know, Crystal Palace's old chairman, he, he concluded that black players didn't really have any resilience and they weren't as bright as the white players. And yet you look at the outfield player that's made more league appearances than anybody in history, and it's Tony Ford, who's black, and uh, his father's a wrestler from Barbados, yeah. uh, bizarrely. So and the, the, in, the, in that list of 92, so many, Chris Kamara, 700 games, Viv Anderson, 700 games, Tony Cunningham, 700 games, you know, lot, lots and lots of them. Um, but, you know, somehow Nord's concluded that they weren't resilient. Quite incredible. Tony Collins, he was one of the first. In fact, I thought he was the first black player to play for Rochdale. He was certainly one of the first managers, wasn't he, Tony Collins? And he still was, worked yeah. in the game, because Ron was telling me about Tony. He was still oh, scouting right. for Manchester United in them days. And I'm almost certain that it was Terry Curran that said to Tony, have a look at this kid here, Mason Greenwood, and he took him to Manchester United. Right, that would, that would make sense. Um, mm. Yeah, but I mean, he was the very first black manager and he did very well. He, yeah. he took Rochdale to the League Cup final yeah. when they were in the fourth division. Um, but again, that's something they cropped up on every interview. You know, why aren't there more black managers? Um, you know, that that was just a regular subject of discussion. And I know when Viv Anderson took over at Barnsley in 1993, he was one of two black managers at the time. Mm. And he thought, well, this is the beginning of the change, you know. And yet, what are we, 28 years later? And we haven't really got many more than two black managers now. Um, so that, uh, but that, again, that kind of defies logic when you look at the percentage of black players on the pitch and then you look at the, at the dugout, um, it just isn't reflected. No, it, it, it is a strange one. But again, there's so many 
players that don't bother putting in for jobs. And TC, Terry Curran, I had a regular podcast with Terry. Mm-hmm. Terry has put in for hundreds of jobs to be a manager and got no replies. Alan Hudson was turned down by Fulham. And uh, and also Stoke City when sadly the chairman that gave Alan Hudson the managerial job at Stoke City died the morning of his appointment. Oh, so, but, but that Frank Worthington, I remember Frank had got the yeah. gig at, at Tranmere. Bobby Charlton got... So sometimes people can and sometimes people can't and sometimes it's offered and getting into football for, for me and, and, and working as I do with so many former uh, professional footballers it really is a difficult game to get into in a managerial capacity. Who was the first black player to be rejected by England because that's a remarkable story in its own right. Oh yeah that, that, that was Jack Leslie back yeah. in 1925 and he played for Plymouth and yeah. they were in the third division south then. But, I mean, I know it sounds odd, a third division player being picked for England. But when you look at the England team he was picked for, I think five of the players were making their debut. Four of them were amateurs. Yeah. One of them never played a football league game in his life. You know, so he was in that team on merit. <laughs> um, he uh, it was in the newspapers, every newspaper the next day, just like it is now. You know, here's the England squad. And... Um, by the time the squad set off for Ireland, a couple of weeks after the, the squad had been announced, he'd been dropped. He was fit. He, play, he played for Plymouth on the day that England were playing. Uh, scored two goals, in fact. And the only conclusion is that he was dropped because uh, of the colour of his skin. Now, it does cause us to believe that the, the, the panel selection of 14, none of them knew he was black. Yeah. Or... One or two of them did know he was picked and then they were overruled by a power bigger than them. You know, whether it's the government saying we can't have black players playing for England because it isn't that long after World War One when there'd been race riots because um, the perception that black people were taking, you know, white people's jobs. Yeah. So it probably didn't look good to the government to have a black person representing England. But uh, whatever the reason, you know, he uh, he was in the squad. And he never, ever appeared. He just disappeared from the squad. And the only reason can be the, the colour of his skin. But luckily, um, there's a great campaign has, has um, collected a lot of money to get a statue erected yep. in uh, Plymouth. And he's getting his um, his recognition. OK, he's long gone, but uh, he's getting his recognition now. Absolutely. First black player to score in the Football League and in the FA Cup. Who were they? Right, well, the... Um... The Football League, that was um, Willie Clark. He, he was a, it's actually his Villa's first black player. Yeah. Um, he was the first player to score, black player to score in the Football League. FA Cup's a good one. I don't know the answer to that one, so you've got me thinking uh, I'll need to find out. Um, obviously, Albert Johansson was the first black player to appear in a, in a cup final. Yeah. And Mike Trevilco, I don't know, you probably, do you remember Mike Trevilco before your time, Everton? Uh, 1966, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jim McCallagh remembers him and oh, Terry Curran does very well. <laughs> right, right. Because, I mean, I, I remember the cup final and I don't remember Mike Trevilco either being referred to as black. Yeah. But, I mean, he certainly has a black father. Uh, when you ask him the question, he'll say, I'm a Cornishman. <laughs> so he kind of avoids the, uh, he lives in Australia now. Well, yeah, he, he was the first black player to score in the final. And Albert, who wasn't Leeds' first black player, 
uh, Albert Johansson was the first black player to, to play in the final in 1965. But yeah, w- Willie Clark's a good one because he's so little known and yet he achieved so much. He was the first black player to win a medal in English football when Bradford won the Division Two title. Um, so he's, uh, you know, he, I think he should be better recognised and uh, I think Villa should be doing something for him. No, I have heard that in, in in the podcast that you've done with these football times, uh, legends, the football clubs haven't been um, forthcoming, which doesn't surprise me because with anything that you do, football clubs aren't very forthcoming. Something that they do, they're throwing everything at it. But mm-hmm. if an outsider is doing something, largely football clubs don't want to know. And and you found that as well, haven't you, with the football clubs? Yeah, it's hard to put our finger on it, yeah. um, whether it's disinterest, whether it's, you know, we didn't invent it, so we don't want anything to do with it. Secondary, yeah, um, you're right. Yeah, it doesn't make them any money. Yeah. You know, there's nothing in it for them. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, some of them say, well, we haven't got the resource to to get involved in this. And we say, but we're not asking you to do anything. We're giving you a gift. We're going to tell you who your first black player was. We're going to tell you the story. But um, they don't seem to get that. Mm. But, yeah, disappointing. I mean, fans' forums have been great. You know, the fans are fantastic. They really get into this. And there's, there's great exchanges when you, you know, when you write to a forum and say, look, do you know who your first black player was? And, and they bring back lots of memories and they go off on tangents <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the fans were brilliant. My first memories of a black player on match of the day would have been Clyde Best in that iconic West Ham United shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legend. Look, yeah, you mentioned West Brom as the you know the three degrees. West Ham played three black players in the same team about five years before West Brom ever did. Okay, and Clyde Clyde Best was one of them. Uh, Eddie Corker and Clive Charles were the others. But yeah, every, everybody talks about Clyde Best as being probably the first black player they really remember. Uh, you know, because it was, like you say, it was on Match of the Day. Um, whereas some of these older black players, people didn't even know what colour they were, you know, because you yeah. didn't have colour magazines, you didn't have television. Um, so yeah, but I mean, Clyde Best wasn't West Ham's first black player, but he's. Uh, who was West Ham? Well, West Ham is a funny one. It's a guy called Fred Corbett going right back to 1899. Blimey. Um, but even, you know, there's some debate whether Fred Corbett was black or not. We think he was. <laughs> um, but if Fred Corbett wasn't, the first black player at West Ham was a guy called John Charles, who played in the early 60s. Not John the John Charles. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, John Charles, was. I mentioned Clive Charles earlier. John Charles was Clive Charles' Charles's brother. The Charles had a lot of uh, a lot of very good footballers in the family. But yes. the reason John Charles should be famous, he was the first black England international at any level. He, he right. played for England youth. And um, you know, people remember Viv Anderson at full level. I remember Laurie Cunningham was the first at under-21 level. Um, but John Charles back in 1962 was the first black uh, international for England. And as I said, not many people know that. We've spoken about West Ham United, great football club. All our football clubs are great English football clubs, aren't they? You know, and the fans are wonderful. Um, Do get a little bit overexcited at times, but that's what fans do. Millwall Football Club, the first black player, Frankie Peterson. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did you find much out about Frankie? Because he was he was born in Jamaica, wasn't he? No, he, well, he, no, he was born in England. He's born in um, I think it was Croydon. Oh right, okay. But he lives in Jamaica now, doesn't he? Josie, I know you, you, you're ahead of me on that one because um, I mean he, he only well he only played I think three games for Millwall, but yeah. uh, he was he's a bit of a character as this year, and um, I mean he, he well it was ironic he actually appeared in a in the film Porridge remember Porridge with Ronnie Barker. <laughs> it's okay, no, I uh, didn't know oh, that. But the, the greatest irony was he also went into prison properly, yeah. and. There are regular comments in uh, programs and annuals and so on saying, uh, you know, he, he missed a lot of this season because of clashes with the authorities. Um, so he was clearly a character. I knew he had a market stall in London somewhere, but uh, after that, he, he played for Chelmsford, I think, in non-league football. Yeah. And uh, absolutely couldn't track him after that. I, I mean, we're not the only people looking out for him because, you know, some clubs want to... Uh, hear about his uh, his experiences and so on and he, i'm sure he tells a great story i mean the life he's had is uh is incredible that but would no, be I, a I, great I, book yeah. it would i mean what a life you know he's uh he's seen it all he played for england youth at 17 and yet what two three games later he, he never played football in the football league again i um, do this the series um with barry silkman um, oh. Agent Silky. Um, fantastic, because he tells a great story, doesn't he? About uh, <laughs> fantastic. I'll let, I'll let you do it. <laughs> no, it's it. you can go. You can go onto our sites and look at it. But he <laughs> he tells a great story about Frankie Peterson because he, yeah, he said like Frankie. I mean, he was destined for absolute greatness, wasn't he, Frankie? But he yeah, played a couple yeah. of games for Millwall. Was an eighteen-year-old and yeah. and just said, "I don't want to be a footballer anymore." Well, many <laughs> many years on, he was playing for Chelmsford City well Chelmsford I can't remember if they're City or just oh. Chelmsford against Barney and um, and and it's in Silk and you know Silk how you doing and all the rest of it and he says I can't believe I'm playing today <laughs> it's just, oh, how come then how come for? he said I'm still pissed from the night before <laughs> <laughs> he said he had this horrible row <laughs> and there he was Frankie throwing up his guts in the pitch on the pitch in front of about 1800 fans that they got him off and um, cut long story short many many years after Barnett's manager said to Silky you know, but have you, um, do you know the whereabouts of Frankie Peterson he said funny you should say that he said I bumped into in a market stall and he silk silk how you going and, and so he gave me his number he phoned and he said I've got to say he won in the best condition and it was such a great story that silk tells but the Barnet manager said to silk silk my players are on 50 pound a week I'll give him 80 pounds to play and um, and and he phoned up um, Frankie and told him and he said Oh, I don't know about this silk. Anyhow, he 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 got back onto the gaffer and says he ain't very happy about like playing the full game because at Underhill you got to go up and you got to oh. go down. So the gaffer says, "I'll tell you what we'll do. If we, we when we announce the side, we'll do the toss up first. 
if we're kicking downhill, he can start the first half. If we're going uphill, he can be sub and he can come on in the second half. And Silk said, are you taking a piss? <laughs> but, it, but he wasn't. But Frankie didn't play in that game. And Silk said to this day, I've not heard or seen of Frankie Peterson. Oh. But he was an absolute legend. And that story, Silky tells it far yeah. greater than me. He's on my Facebook page. And Silky oh. does tell so many great stories and another football legend. Yeah, it would be great to track him down. As you say, what a story you would have to tell. Yeah, apparently he lives in Jamaica and his mate's got uh, a store and he comes over and works six months on the store and his mate yeah. goes over to Jamaica. But that was a few years ago. Fantastic. Yeah. Cyril yeah. Regis, we can't mention black pioneers without mentioning the great, the late Cyril yeah. Regis. Yeah, yeah, another, another iconic figure. Um, he obviously gets coverage in the book, but he wasn't West Bromwich's first no. black player. That was mm. Laurie, Laurie Cunningham. Um, you know, so, um, but yeah, I mean, iconic, um, you know, it, it broke down so many barriers for other people. Great role model. Um, yeah, yeah, fantastic. And just face down the bigots of the terraces yeah. with, with, with such... Such dignity, didn't they? And and and, yeah. and done it in a way that, that only Cyril could have, have done that. And, and and as I say, I remember very well and listening to some of the songs that, that were sung and aimed at Regis and Cunningham and Batson. And yeah. they they it it was like sickening words. Yeah. Yeah. But that again, that's football fans. You know, Leeds United sing sickening songs to Manchester United about the great uh, Busby Babes team as well. Yeah. So yeah. it just seems something inherent in football fans that I've always said it brings out the best and the worst in humanity. It is the beautiful game, but sometimes, sadly, it's blackened by idiots, which is quite a decent phrase, blackened, yeah. because we are yeah. talking about black pioneers now my team Birmingham City the first yeah. player was uh, was Carl Francis wasn't it yeah Carl's another mystery man a little bit like Frank Peterson uh he made his debut at Old Trafford yeah you know I mean what what a start and Ron Saunders said he's going to be a great player mm-hmm. and I think he only started one or two more games played as a sub uh, and then went on loan to Hereford and within 18 months, he couldn't get in Enfield's team. And, and you, you do wonder, I mean, we've talked about resilience. Now, Carl Francis was clearly a very good young player. Yeah. You, you don't get the player for Birmingham at Old Trafford unless you're a good player. And Ron Saunders rated him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the kind of saying, isn't it? Where did it all go wrong? Yeah. You know, was it that he couldn't take the abuse or was it that he simply just didn't come on as expected? But... Uh, it does make you wonder. And Wolves' first player, Don Gardner, was almost identical. Uh, he made his debut as a young kid, but only played two or three games. And George Burry, you remember George yeah. Burry, the big centre-half? Yep. George he was, he was Wolves, as well. Yeah, yeah, well, he was Wolves' second black player. Mm-hmm. And he was a little bit behind Gardner. And he saw Gardner getting bullied and stuff like that. And he it, it resolved him. You know, he said, I'm never, ever going to let people talk to me like that. So he didn't, and who would argue with him? Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, I mean, I do wonder whether Gardner, you know, just couldn't take the abuse and it broke him, 
whereas George Bury was made of different stuff and, and yeah. decided, I'm not going to let it break me. I want to be a footballer and nothing's going to stop me. Because I got that a lot, you know, when this Viv Anderson's era, really. Yeah, you know, we did get abuse, but I wanted to be a footballer. I wanted to play. So it was something I had to put up with. Uh, they weren't happy about it, but they were desperate to play football. Now, Birmingham second, as you've uh, talked about George Berry being Wolves second, surely it must have been Noel Blake. Probably. I think so, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't swear to it. I'm sure you're right. Um but yeah, I think it probably was. Because Carl started in that um, eighty-two, eighty-three season. He started yeah. his first game was uh, was August um, eighty-two yeah. at Old Trafford. Yeah. Well, with Noel Blake, because Noel had come from Aston Villa, but I think he'd gone mm. on loan somewhere else and then got transferred to Birmingham City. One of Ron's signings because Ron had left Aston Villa. And come to right. Birmingham City. He brought Mark Rees, who I think was uh, Warsaw's first, yeah. wasn't he? Mark played yeah. at Birmingham. He brought, I think, Mark Jones, uh, Ron Saunders brought. He brought Robert Hopkins. He, he brought a few of the Villa yeah. youth players. But Blakey was absolutely loved. This is yeah. what I don't understand, like with Carl, because when you're looking at a team like Birmingham City, Birmingham multicultural city, and well, yeah. Birmingham. You know, when you're looking at things that went on off the pitch, you know, they were the first multicultural gang mm-hmm. of football hooligans as well. Now, yeah. the the name Zulu Warriors, as far as I'm concerned, was uh, was was Noel Blake, and and I remember the uh, the spine cups. I think the tilt might have been closed in them days due to yeah. crowd violence. I remember him shouting Zulu Zulu Warrior to Blakey and Blakey would raise his fist to the blues. He was an absolute Birmingham City icon legend yeah. and treasured yeah. at Birmingham City. So I don't know what happened to Carl, but in terms of Birmingham fans associating themselves to Noel, Noel still loved to this very day. Gotta say, scoring yeah. a goal against Aston Villa does put you on the top table. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you always remind me of George Burry, you know, same yeah. sort of mould, I think. But yeah, 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 I'm sure he must have been the second. Yeah. Hard as absolute nails as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Liverpool's first black player. Yeah, How he like wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Howard Gill, yeah. yeah. I mean, he uh, he ended up first black player at Newcastle, Blackburn and Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, uh, and he was one of Sunderland's first ones as well. Yeah. In fact, um, when I spoke to Sunderland's ex-manager, Len Hashurst, he said he bought Howard Gill because he'd only just recently bought Gary Bennett, our second black player. Yeah. And he and he understood how hard it was for a mm. black player to be on his own, especially, as, as you said earlier, somewhere like Sunderland, where there aren't any black people anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, so he, he said he wouldn't have bought Howard if he hadn't been a great player, but he thought it was a good idea to have two to support one another. And, and I think that worked. But yeah, Howard, uh, first black player at Liverpool. Um, as you know, he didn't play many games. I mean, the, the famous one was the, the European Cup game at uh, against Bayern Munich, where he kind of won the game for Liverpool, um, but didn't play in the final. Um but yeah, he's uh, he certainly left his mark on on pioneers. 
61 minutes in Munich, the That's story right, yeah. of Liverpool yeah. FC's first black footballer, Howard Gale, another of Ron Saunders' signings at Birmingham City. So again, oh, right. he was one of the first black players that we had at Birmingham. And there's a lovely yeah. story about Ron Saunders, Ron Saunders' daughter, Howard Gale and an Alsatian, but I'm not going to go into <laughs> that. Robert Hopkins told me all about it. Yeah, but right. the players got up to so many antics off the pitch as well as on the pitch what is your favourite football story and if I could say to you who are your six five we'll narrow it down to five five favourite black players not just of England but uh, you know of all time well for different reasons I mean there's a player called Lloyd Maitland who was Huddersfield's first black player yeah. Um, I I think it was the first interview I did, so that was special. Lovely, lovely man. And the, and the reason that I I liked Lloyd, um, he was on the verge of the big time, and he went out um, pre-season with his uh, his teammates in in Harrogate, and he swears drink wasn't involved, but they <laughs> they were driving back from Harrogate, and he needed to relieve himself, so he got out the car, went to a bush, and you know what what kids are like <laughs> you know these players they, they drove off and thought this would be funny let's drive off and leave them in this country lane yeah. uh so he thought what do i do now so he zipped up and he started walking he couldn't do anything else um anyways mates obviously felt guilty about it so they turned around and they were coming the other way and over the brow of the hill he was walking one way the car came the other smashed into him broke both his legs um they dumped him into the car really drove to the hospital more or less threw him out and left him at the door and drove off. And he never played football again. And he never saw his teammates again. He said nobody visited him in hospital. Um, And his contract had expired. He was at Darlington at the time. And he was on the verge of signing for Sunderland. Uh, But obviously Sunderland didn't want him anymore. And Darlington, there was no contract. So his career was finished at 22. And uh, But there was no bitterness. I mean, what I loved about him was... There was no bitterness. You know, he's in his 60s now. He's got a great life. He became a plasterer, got a lovely family, and uh, there wasn't a, a trace of bitterness in his uh, in his voice. So for, for, for different reasons, Lloyd was uh, was one of my favourites. Um, I'd probably go for unknown ones. Again, but Sullen's first black player was a guy called Rowley Gregoire. He really wasn't very good. But we only paid £5,000 for him from Halifax Reserves. And yet he's... He's now remembered as one of the worst strikers Sunderland have ever had. <laughs> but believe me, the competition is stiff. Yeah, it's over Birmingham. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so to put a poor kid who cost £5,000 in, in the worst 10 strikers Sunderland have had in their 140 years history or whatever is just a little bit unfair. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sticking up for Rowley. You mentioned Eusebio earlier. I mean, Eusebio was the first sort of great player. I remember the 66 World Cup mm. and, you know, he was absolutely outstanding. Um, I suppose I'd have to go for Pelle as well. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Socrates is an interesting one because although he, he was great, obviously, for Brazil, he played for a team three miles from where I live when he was in his 40s. Yeah, non-league, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, Garforth. Yeah. And he, I, think, I think he only, might, might have been two games of sub, and he, he sort of sat there wrapped in dozens of blankets, smoking a cigarette, <laughs> and come on for like the last 10 minutes or whatever. So for, for lots of different reasons, I suppose there would be the, the five that spring to mind. 
and he was a doctor as well, wasn't he? Soccer, yeah, so he's yeah. a great, great player. That that sometimes when we talk about great players that that we've that we've seen, he, he's one that escapes the uh, the memory bank. Socrates, but what yeah. a player! But more than a footballer as well. Uh, Corinthians was his club, wasn't it? In in Brazil, and yeah, the, right, yes. the Brazilian team at the time were going through turmoil. I mean, he is embroiled in the political scene in Brazil, and uh, I've uh, there's a book about the the doctor that I've got. I, I buy all these oh. books and rarely read them, but one <laughs> of these days when I've got time, I will do. But again, yeah. another footballing legend from Brazil. Brazil made so many legends or created yeah. so many legends. Or to be fair, those players created it themselves. Jairzinho being another one. Yeah, that yeah, 70s yeah. Brazil team, one of the greatest yeah. teams that's ever graced a football pitch, surely. Magic, yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 you know, the book's full of Lindy Della Pena. You know, very few people have heard of Lindy Della Pena, but he was like the, the David Beckham of Jamaica. Yeah. Everything he, he came from a wealthy family, he went to the equivalent of Harrow in, in, in Jamaica. You know, he's great sports. Uh, mm-hmm. As a kid, he won lots of sports events, he was great at cricket, you name it, he was brilliant at it. Um, and he would have played for England in, in the current regime. I've no doubt about that because he would have qualified as English and he would have been good enough. Uh, but he played, he was the first black player to play for a team that won the league championship when Portsmouth won it in 49. Right. But he didn't, he didn't play enough games to actually get a medal. Although being the great raconteur that he is, there were interviews of him where he's boasts about having all you know, his medals and so on and so on. He's a lovely man, lovely man, but he kind of exaggerated everything. <laughs> He, ne- he never tapped the ball in. It was always a 25-yard volley. But uh, And it went, when he retired, he went back to Jamaica and uh, he ended up being the the front of um, the kind of Good Morning programme, you know, so he was a really? sort of a... Yeah, so he was a television personality. It's Like I say, everything he touched turned to gold. Um, you know, very, well, amazing man. And in both of our teams, Sunderland and Birmingham, over the years, we've seen a number of comedians, but a comedian actually did play in the in in the football league, didn't he? Charlie Williams. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's another amazing story because uh, I, I went to the village where he was brought up, and even now he would be the only black person if if, if he was in that village. Um, how on earth his father ended up living there? We 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 really don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, he was. Uh, I've got I've got a picture of his school and, and, and his class, and there are about forty kids, you know. And he is the only black person there. And of course, he he was a Yorkshireman yeah. through and through. Yeah. He, he talked with the most broad Yorkshire accent you could imagine, and he's idolised the people of Barnsley and um, Royston and South Hindley, where he comes from, even today revere him you know it's uh it's incredible because it was Doncaster that he actually played football for and uh was a very good old-fashioned centre-half he'd he'd boast he said you know the ball might get past me the player might get past me but never both at the same time (laughs) (laughs) but he was on that program as well wasn't he the comedians in the 70s and he played on the colour of his skin really didn't he it was part of Charlie's act wasn't it I mean, he yeah, was yeah. always smiling, Charlie Williams, and laughing. There was him and Ken Goodwin that I remember mostly, yeah, always yeah. laughing, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look back and, and the jokes that Charlie was telling were racist. Yeah. 
yeah. people like yeah. people like Sir Henry Sear. Look, he, he was just a victim of his time. You know, what he did, he had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's no good condemning him now because he used to make, you know, he used to laugh at the colour of his skin. Yeah. He was, he, that was just how it was, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's absolutely idolised in, in South Yorkshire. Absolutely incredible. And Alf Garnet, of course, um, yeah. of, of our TV screens, yeah. the uh, the West Ham bigot, and everybody thought that Alf was the bigot, but he wasn't. He was making fun of the bigot and sometimes laughing in people's faces um, goes a lot further than reacting in a violent way. And Big Cyril always done that. And you remember these icons, these pioneers for doing the right thing and sometimes at the wrong time with the wrong crowd. But um, the the new players, hopefully, the trailblazers have led a clearer path for them. Although the one thing that does get in the way and the spanner in the works these days is the social media. That really does let humanity down at times. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's something that the older pioneers obviously didn't have to Absolutely. suffer. It's yeah. been a wonderful trip down memory lane. Bill, how can people buy your books? As soon as we finish, I'm going to order your book. Again, don't expect me to read it. I'm not like these footballing times guys. They have so much free time. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I buy the books and I have them as references. And one of the days I will read it. But how can people buy your book? Uh, was it Pitch Publishing that published it? No. Oh, okay. Um, it's uh, it's Conquer Editions. That's C O N K E R. Yep, got yeah. Uh, ob- obviously, Amazon is the the easy way of uh, of ordering it. Um, it's, it's it's physically in some bookshops. Uh, it's certainly available from others. They would order it and uh, and get it in. But uh, certainly, Conquer Editions or Amazon probably the two easiest ways of getting it. It's Football's Black Pioneers. Um, and if you know if anybody does uh, does buy it, I hope they enjoy it. We've got a, a sort of a, a website, so if anybody reads it and has questions or wants to add comments, then you know we we'll, we'll love uh, conversing with people. Uh, as you can tell, we're passionate about the subject, so lovely to uh, to talk to people about it. And talking of social media. Have you got a Twitter site as well, or a Twitter account and Facebook? Yeah. So how can people interact with you on that social media site as well? Right, well, I've got a very active active Twitter account. Um, I think the the handle is it. No, I'm not brilliant at social media. I think it's Pioneers um, Dash Book. Yep. Um, we. Actually, we're not on Facebook as Football's Black Pioneers. So, yeah, it is just Twitter yeah. and our our um, website, a blog, uh, which, again, if, if you Google Football's Black Pioneers, it should take you to the, the blog. And what we've also got on the blog is there are so many other clubs that we felt sorry about, you know, that we couldn't include. I mean, Bury, how tragic was Bury? Yeah, absolutely. So, We've um, we've got Bury on the on the website. We've got uh, a lot of Chesterfield. We've got a lot of non-league teams on on the website because you know great stories, but we had to draw the line somewhere. So you know if if you like the '92 and you want to read a few more, the website's definitely the uh, the, the place to to go. And that is the problem because it's almost like five leagues of English football now where in yeah. our day it was four and you had to apply for re-election. It's, yeah. you know, it's very, very different these days. So there are a lot of 
former football league clubs that are now playing in the conference or whatever it's called these days. In old money, it was a conference. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in fact, the, the playoff, you know, Harrogate played Notts County in the yeah. playoff. Um, I was standing in front of the television and the minute Harrogate won, we we ran, obviously, with the Harrogate chapter yep. and Notts County got relegated to the uh, to the website. But um, both, both great stories, though. You know, so Notts County, Pedro Richards. I was going to say, Pedro must have been yeah. one of the first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great story. I mean, poor Pedro died very young. Really? But, um, you know, fantastic story. But the Harrogate story is fantastic as well, you know. Um, so it was all, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, really interesting stuff out there. I remember Pedro played for Notts County against Birmingham City in, what was it, 79-80 promotion season yeah. when, wow. when Birmingham drew 3-3 against Notts County. Um, uh, I think Frank was on the bench. I don't think Frank was particularly that happy. I think Keith Birchin uh, scored uh, one of the goals that day. But, yeah, I remember the, the Panini, the sticker books, and Pedro yeah. Richards being in there because uh, you, you used to have lots of... St- players didn't you like for instance in the panina you'd never get brian little or trevor francis but for some reason <laughs> pedro richards used to always be my sticker book you know me uh, me swapsies so yeah remember pedro very well i don't know i, I was like that with mike o'grady a little bit before that but uh... I mean, yeah he was a decent player wasn't he mike <laughs> o'grady the weird thing is, like like you and Pedro, I used to always get Mike as as, as a card, you know. Um, and I, I live I live near him now. I, I drink with him in the pub, you know. But uh, it was like so so weird. But yeah, Pe- Pedro is an absolute, still a legend at Notts County. I mean, they yeah. they love him, they really do. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a good story. And have you got was... any more books? What's your next project? Because you must have a follow up to the to these books, surely. Well, it's difficult, no. How, how you sort of follow up this theme? Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of individual players warrant a book of their own. Yep. You know, Willie Clark, for example, Jack Leslie, mm-hmm. so that there are possibilities there. But because we've got an interest in Black history, yeah, we're also looking at the Windrush. You know, the passengers on the Windrush. Yeah, yeah. Um, in particular, one called Mona Baptiste, who was a singer actress, but uh, there weren't any footballers on the Windrush. Really? No, but having said that, the Windrush generation you know, bred, as it were, so many great players. Yes. I mean, Viv, Viv Anderson Viv Anderson's probably the best example because his dad came across, his mum came across the next year. His mum was a qualified teacher and she was told that, sorry, your Jamaican qualifications don't count here, go away. <laughs> yeah. So she became a dinner lady, um, but then worked her way up and became a nurse, obviously brought up a fantastic family, um, and Viv went on to be, you know, what 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 he is today. But uh, if it wasn't for his mum and dad, none of that would have happened, you know. And, and they were very brave people. They moved to Nottingham within a year or two. There were riots in Nottingham, and Viv doesn't know anything about that. He doesn't remember anything because he was protected from it. You know, he had his uh, his parents. So, yeah, lots of good Windrush generation stories, definitely. Fantastic. Can I wish you and David? Are you going to be doing it with David as well, or is it you? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. So you're still talking after four years of doing this book together? <laughs> do, do you know what? It gets tense from time to time. But... <laughs> I bet oh, it we'll is. get on great. I bet it is, though, because did you meet up much or were you a bit of like a no. Bernie Taupin and Alton John? One just does the lyrics and the music, never meet, but yeah, there it is by post. <laughs> we were exactly like that. And many of the time, you know, Dennis Norton and... Um, 
Frank Muir were, were co-writers and, and they used to share a desk, literally yeah. a desk. And there were lots of times I thought, I wish we were sharing a desk because things do get misinterpreted, don't they, when you're working yeah. 200 miles apart. But yeah, we, 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 we very rarely meet up, very rarely indeed. And um, also with the dialect as well because as you're talking (laughs) i mean as you're talking as a broad macken and like david is a very articulate croydon person you know you do get when you say things um it can get miss i I know of football books that have been written where names have actually come out differently because of the accent and that's quite easy to do as well when you're not on the same desk as those two boys were. Yeah, yeah. We, we couldn't be more different, but it makes it easier because people know which is which anyway. We might both be talking rubbish, but uh, at least, you know, I'm the Mackham and he's the, the posh southerner. <laughs> There's always a posh southerner, isn't there? <laughs> Can I thank you so much uh, for your time, Bill? It's been, no, it's an, been an a absolute pleasure, pleasure mate. Lovely. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks a lot. Cheers, pal, and thanks for oh. listening. Take care. Bye all. Bye bye. Cheers, Bill. Thank you. Bye bye.